0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us. So be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Exodus, chapter 4. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: Listen, you're not going to go to hell for your sins. You'll go to hell for rejecting Christ as your Lord and your Savior. That's the ultimate and the greatest sin is the rejection of the Holy Spirit. The Bible calls that the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And when a man rejects Christ, when a man rejects the work of the Holy Spirit, then God will have to judge them. It's a principle taught in the scriptures. Revelation chapter 6 verse 15. It's during the tribulation, and get this, God is judging men. And I want you to notice their hard-hearted reaction to God's judgment. In Revelation 6.15, and the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves. And remember, we're talking about during the tribulation. They hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and to the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? You've been around here in Calvary Chapel, you know that to me is probably one of the most interesting statements in all of the New Testament. They are hiding from the wrath of the Lamb. When have you seen a wrathful Lamb? I haven't seen many signs around that says, beware of lamb. <laughs> Have you? I haven't. The wrath of the lamb? Yeah. But isn't it interesting, even during the tribulation, when God's judgment is coming upon man, they refuse to repent and they continue to resist. Instead of calling out to the rock of ages, Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins and for salvation... They cry out to the rocks to kill them. That's amazing, the hard-heartedness of men. In that, they would rather commit suicide in a desperate attempt to escape their sin rather than repent and turn to God. That's amazing to me how hard-hearted people are. We would rather commit suicide than repent and call out to the rock of ages, we'd rather the rocks fall on us. That's an amazing statement. So God says, this third and final sign use it, do it, only after they've rejected the first and second sign. You're still with me? Verse 10 Then Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent. Neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and I'm slow of tongue. And so the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? I love this statement from the Lord. Who made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing or the blind? Have not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go, Moses, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. Man, have you ever thought about that? God is not only with us, but he's with our mouths. Amen. But in verse 13, he said, oh, my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. And so the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, "Is not Aaron, the Levite, your brother. I know that he can speak well. And look, he is also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he'll be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and I will teach you what you shall do. See, God's always trying to work with us. Isn't that true? So he shall be your spokesman to the people and he himself shall be as a mouth for you and you shall be to him as God. And you shall take this rod in your hand with which you shall do the signs. Now, notice in verse 10, Moses says, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent. You know, the thing is, if he's not eloquent, then how do you know to use the word eloquent? (laughs) Things that make you go, hmm. I mean, that's pretty eloquent to me that you would use the word eloquent. I mean, Do you go around using the word eloquent? No, no one does. So Moses says, Lord, I'm not eloquent. Now, we know from Acts chapter 7, if you're taking notes, you can look this up in your own time. Acts chapter 7, verse 22 tells us Moses was learned in the wisdom of Egypt and he was mighty in words and deeds. Now, it could be that Moses didn't feel eloquent in speech because he had been talking to sheep for 40 years. And that's all I'm going to say about that, all right? (laughs) And notice what God says. God says, Moses, cut me a break. I mean, who made man's mouth? Who made the deaf and the seen and the blind? God says, Moses, I made them all. And go, and I'll teach you what you shall say. And God says, Moses, you don't need a speech lab. Moses, you don't need hooked on phonics. Moses, you need me. That's what God is saying. Moses, you need me. And notice Moses is still yet arguing with God. Moses says, God, that's right. You made the mouth, the ears, the eyes, so you can send anybody. Send someone else, please. (laughs) Pretty please. I mean, that's the the context there in the Hebrew, he's like begging God, God, you know, you're God. You can do whatever you want. So send somebody else. And God had enough And the anger of the Lord. The Bible says what's kindled against Moses. Why? Because God is doing everything he can to help Moses understand that he's the one doing the work and that he's going to be with him and that he should obey and trust him. And God says, listen, I'm getting enough. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of your arguing back and forth. I'm trying to work with you. I'm trying to let you Grow, and I'm trying to help you to trust me, and you are not getting there. And even in God's anger, God's still yet gracious wanting to work with us. God says, listen, who's your brother? Aaron. Okay, God says, take Aaron with you, and I will talk to you, and you can talk to him and let him talk. He'll be the spokesman to the people. Well, then notice in verse 18. So Moses went. He returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and he said to him, please let me go and return to my brethren who are in Egypt and see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, go in peace. Now the Lord said to Moses and Midian, go return to Egypt for all the men who sought your life are dead. You see, I think that it's very possible that... uh, Moses is struggling with that as well, with his enemies. Hey, everybody that was against you, all the men who sought to kill you are dead. Moses, no reason to disobey me. Notice God goes on, then Moses took his wife and his sons and set them on a donkey, and he returned to the land of Egypt, and Moses took, what, saints, the rod of God in his hand. And the Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, See that you do all these wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in your hand, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. But if you, Pharaoh, refuse to let him go, indeed, I will kill your son, your firstborn. Now, stop right there. Notice in verse 18, Moses went, the Bible says, but it wasn't the same. Yeah, it was the same sky, the same desert, the same smelly sheep for 40 years, but this day was different. He had just had an interview and an argument with God. And he goes to Jethro, his father-in-law, and he says, please let me go back to Egypt to see, look at verse 18, I kind of, Paused on that word. Look at verse 18. He says, to see whether they are alive, talking about his brethren. Now, what is up with that? God just told him, their cry has come up to me. That means they are alive. But notice Moses goes to Jethro and his father-in-law and says, let me go that I might see whether my brother are alive. I just wonder if Moses maybe, possibly, here's a white space. Maybe, possibly, he was afraid to go to Jethro and say, Hey, guess what happened to me today? You know, I was walking with the sheep, and the next thing you know, I'm talking to a bush. <laughs> I think maybe he just didn't know what to say. I mean, how do you explain a day like that? When I mean, you had a long conversation with the bush and an argument with the bush, <laughs> they put you in Dorothea Dix for this kind of behavior. So I think maybe Moses didn't know what to say. So Moses takes his wife and his kids or his sons and he headed to Egypt. And notice Moses took the rod of God in his hand. And while traveling, God said, Moses, be careful to do the signs before Pharaoh. And then tell him, let my son Israel nationally go. And if he doesn't let my son go, I will kill his son. You see that? And That's not a good thing to say to Pharaoh. God's going to kill you. Now, over and over again, I'm going to touch on this now because we can touch on it many, many times in the book of Exodus. Over and over in the book of Exodus, give me your attention. We read that Pharaoh... Harden his heart, and then we'll read, we'll talk more about it in the coming weeks. And then we'll read that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart, and then it reads God, chapter 8, verse 15, for example, says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Listen, when Pharaoh hardened his heart, when it says that Pharaoh hardened his heart, it literally means he made it dull, D-U-L-L, dull. It's the same word that's used of people who have ears, but they don't hear. He made it dull. When it says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart, that means stiffened. And that has the idea that God is confirming Pharaoh in the place of his choice. God is gracious, God is loving, God is second, third, fourth chance, and all of that. Yes. But if you choose, to reject God, you can get to the place like Pharaoh where God will stiffen your heart. In other words, he's just allowing you to settle in, to firm up, to cement in the decision that you have already made. God will do that too. So it's your choice. Now, I want you to notice something here because I want to I get to this tonight. Notice, I want you to notice these next couple of two, three verses are strange, difficult to interpret. We will do our best. Look at verse 24. If you're there, say amen. amen. And it came to pass on the way at the encampment that the Lord met him and sought to kill Moses. Then Sapporah, his lovely wife, took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at Moses' feet and said, surely you are a husband of blood to me. And so he let him go. Then she said, so he who? He God let him go. Then she said, you are a husband of blood because of the circumcision. Again, give me your attention. Strange verses here. God says, Moses, go to Pharaoh, tell him, if he won't let my son go, then I won't let his son live. I won't let his son go. I won't let his son escape death. Now, listen closely here. What separated, distinguished, set aside the firstborn of Egypt and Israel is simply a covenant of circumcision. The difference between Egypt and Israel is a covenant of circumcision. Genesis chapter 17, verse 14 reads this, and the uncircumcised male child who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. It seems that Moses' firstborn was circumcised. Remember Gershom, G E R S H O M. Gershom, Moses' firstborn. It seems that he was circumcised and it seems that Zipporah, she obviously they obviously had another child. They had a son and he wasn't circumcised. And Zipporah, you got to remember, Moses' wife, she was a Midianite woman. She was not into all this Israel stuff. She was not into the covenant of circumcision. She didn't care anything about that. So here Moses now understands that this covenant of circumcision is important to God. It is so important to God that God says if you break this covenant of circumcision, then God is going to judge you for it. She's not into it. Moses understands it. Probably the white space, perhaps they had arguments about it. Perhaps they had much, much discussion about it. This second son at this point in the text could have been a grown man. Can we say... Ouch. (laughs) And Zipporah, she's sick of arguing about it. Moses is like, honey, listen, listen, we got to do this. Listen, listen. And she's like, no, 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 I don't care about all that. I'm not. That's not me. That's not me. That ministry stuff, that's you. That ain't me. All that God stuff, that's you, but that's not me. And finally, probably on the way, probably on the way to Egypt, arguing, talking about it, she just says, look, whatever, whatever. She takes her son. She circumcised him. And then she took the foreskin and she threw it at Moses' feet. And she said, you've become a bloody man to me. You're a husband of blood to me. Now, here's the problem. Think about this. Here he's going to Egypt to rescue Israel. But it was important for him as a leader. Watch this. It was important for him as a leader to be obedient. Moses was not leading his home. And because he was a leader, If you're a leader, then you're going to lead by example. This is what God is teaching him here already in the early days of ministry. If you're going to be in ministry, you're going to lead by example. If you're going to be in ministry, then you're going to lead your family in the ways of God. And if you're not going to lead your family in the ways of God, then Moses, you're not going to be in ministry. I'm going to kill you. God says, I don't know about you, but I opt to leave my family. I'm, I'm not ready to leave here yet. You see, God is serious about this whole leadership thing and this ministry thing. I mean, here Moses is going to lead a whole nation, but he can't lead his home. Now, doesn't that follow right through to 2 Timothy that says that if a man is going to rule the house of God then he must know how to rule his own home. Where you see a man who does not know how to rule in his own home, listen, it would be appropriate for you to look a little bit deeper. Because if you can't lead your own home and you're trying to pastor the church, that's a problem. You might want to look a little bit deeper. And don't misunderstand me here. I have to say this. Sometimes pastors have children who do not follow the ways of the Lord, even though that man has led them in the ways of the Lord. And they choose to be rebellious and disobedient and all of that. And they get the title PK Kids. Y'all heard of them. That's a negative term, you know, PK Kids. So if a man has done what is required of him of the Lord, and he's in ministry, and his children disobey that, that's one thing. But in a home where a leader, a pastor, has not raised his children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord, he has not led his wife, his children, his own home, he is not qualified to be at the head in ministry or in any point of leadership. Head of leadership, you understand? And this is where God is with, with, with Moses. Moses, if you can't lead your wife, Moses, you should have circumcised that boy on the eighth day. Period. Well, she disagreed. Well, that's one, she's going to take that up with God. You see, this is God's problem. Now, Sapporah, now get this, at this point, it's very interesting because Sapporah and the kids At this point, when she circumcised them, they went back home. She went back home to her father. And the reason we know that, because it's in Exodus chapter 18, you look this up in your own time, but it's after, watch this, it's after the deliverance in the wilderness, that, that Jethro comes to meet Moses with Zipporah and the two boys, because he had heard about all that God has done. So we know at this point, Zipporah went back home. They separated. And Moses went on to serve the Lord and to do what God has called him to do, even though his wife left him at that point. Because he was following the Lord. And don't misunderstand that to say, well, you know, if my wife leaves me, that's just too bad. I'm going to go and serve the Lord. Well, watch it, partner. Careful. Have you done all that's required of you and are you following the Lord and obeying him? In that case, yes, you keep serving the Lord, the Lord will touch your heart and bring it back together. That's a whole marriage thing. I'm out of time. You see? Now, and there's so many types here that, that we don't talk I don't have time to talk too much about it, but we'll talk about typology because, goodness gracious, it's so much typology here for you typology people there's a lot of typology here that we just cannot talk about tonight i want to finish up with verse 27 through 31 you're still breathing say amen Amen. and the lord said to aaron go into the wilderness to meet moses and so he went and he met him on the mountain of god and kissed him moses and aaron coming back together So Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord who had sent him and all the signs which he had commanded him. And then Moses and Aaron went and they gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. And then he did the signs in the sight of the people. (laughs) Moses probably like, hey, y'all, watch this. (laughs) Verse 31. So the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked on their affliction, then they bowed their heads and they worshiped. Now, before you close your Bible, this is the first time that Moses and Aaron have seen each other in 40 years. Moses is 80 years old. Aaron is 88 years old. I mean, they're old. Duh. Moses probably. you? Is that you, boy? I ain't seen you in a long time. Is that you? Come here, give me a hug. I ain't seen my brother in a long time. Get my bifocals. I'm older. And truth is, the Bible says, this is a joke, the truth is, get this, at 120 years, we read the book of Exodus, at the end of Moses' life, at 120 years old, the Bible says that he had good sight. And he actually was in good shape. He was in good health. And so the chapter closes with Moses and Aaron talking about the glory of the Lord. And they're getting things together in the leadership of Israel. Word is spread quickly. The people believed. And when they heard of God's compassion, the Bible says they bowed their heads. Did you see that in verse 31? They bowed their heads and they worshiped. And that is beautiful.